The Money Show. Other people's money. Well, John Mayer is a prolific and phenomenal South African artist who's as much of the uh, part of the South African landscape as many of the portraits that he paints. He's got a new exhibition on at the Everard Reed Gallery, reimagining scenes from the life of Nelson Mandela from childhood to old age. And it's deeply moving and very, very provocative. I haven't been able to get to the Everard Reed myself, but I have seen the portraits uh, online and they are remarkable. And uh, John Mayer joins us this evening here on on The Money Show. Uh, Nelson Mandela actually did sit for you when he was president, didn't he, John? Yes, hello, Bruce. Um, He sat for me uh, more than once. Um, I've painted him four times. Four times? Yes, he didn't sit uh, for uh, he he didn't sit for all of them, okay. um, but he sat for two of them. It's a remarkably intimate time, isn't it? I mean, how does that process work with somebody of the stature of Nelson Mandela? And how do you paint when your hand's shaking, or doesn't it shake at all? <laughs> well, one has to control that. But I've had a lot of experience painting people and um, people of stature um, all over the world, and. And so I'm kind of used to it. Um, But Nelson Mandela, of course, was a unique uh, situation. I mean, uh, um, probably the most important human being I've painted. But uh, um, he made it very easy, I must say. The the man is just remarkable in, in the way in which he puts you at ease. Uh, and you would have spent many hours. Um, was it an interactive couple of hours or do you demand that your subject sit still, no matter who they are, um, so that you can get the exact sense of who they are? Or do you like the interaction? Does that tell you more of the character that you draw out in the portrait? Well, well what happens with these things, of course, is that uh, um, the more important the people are, uh, the less time they have to give to you. So, so yeah. Uh, seeing somebody face to face is more a case of getting to understand their body language. I, I use the term body language because that that's almost defines a man's characteristics, and uh, um, and of course I'm doing I'm painting the physical image. So if you can get the body language to come through, then you capture the person. The, the 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 exhibition that you've got, I think it's still on at the Everard Reed. Um, the the sixteen portraits of of Nelson Mandela, and you've sort of reimagined his life uh, from a little boy playing uh, is with a tire down a path, um, and then you sort of finish the exhibition with an old man walking up the same path with his walking stick, and it's very very evocative. You've reimagined many of these sort of scenes that either did happen or may have happened or in the case of Nelson Mandela walking up the same path um, is more symbolic than anything else but uh, what was the inspiration behind doing that now so long after his death well the you know once I knew I was painting the series I had to um, it was as you say well after his death so so um, it's a question of trying to find the images that one would fit um, into his life. As I say, you know, it, it, it's such a well-documented life. It, certainly the second half of his life was more difficult because it's very documented. So so one has to be careful where you go with these things. The, the, the early parts, of course, were easier because there is no documentation whatsoever of the young Nelson Mandela before he became Nelson Mandela. 
He was uh, um, certainly, certainly as a young man in his twenties, and and at the start of his career uh, um, as uh, um, a lawyer, those 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 things I had to imagine them and and put other characters into into the scenes that would give it credibility. Uh, and I mean, you've got Mandela boxing, and you've got him having really robust legal arguments, and you've got him uh, image of him with with Oliver Tambo. Then you've got him in the dock delivering that speech in which he says, "This is an ideal for which I am prepared to die." As far as I can yes. tell, there are no photographs of that moment. Um, you you sort of you're, you're reimagining that yourself from, I suppose, the court documents and a sense of the space. Yes, and 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 of course, um, what was known then as the Palace of Justice, I think, uh, um, I, I had to try and get information about that building, and and then of course the most difficult thing to do is to to, to make it convincing by getting the angle of the building. Um, it was it was deliberate to to get him up on the podium and and the uh, cross-examining lawyers and everything down the bottom that that sort of elevated him up into the space where uh, where um he he had complete authority uh, and i see there is an image i mean if i if i sort of go through Google and I'm looking at images. There's one image of Nelson Mandela talking to F.W. de Klerk, and I'm assuming it's in Tainhase, but F.W. de Klerk is actually posing next to the painting. Um, so clearly he seems to have given it his stamp of approval. Oh, yes. Uh, um, F.W. de Klerk, um, I, I think, uh, was very much part of making Nelson Mandela uh, um, in, 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 as, in as much as he he welcomed him when the time was right, and uh, um, and uh, and of course I've also painted uh, F. W. de Klerk, so I've had a lot of insights from him as okay. well. Uh, and then you've got a wonderful, I mean, one of the greatest moments, I was in London at the time, uh, of Nelson Mandela and the Queen in an open carriage going down the Mall, and you, you recreate that, and there are many, many photographs of that. I think I've got one on a particularly bad, bad photograph of the moment um, as they came past where I did. But you've also done a very similar series on the Queen as well. Has she sat for you? Uh, no, she hasn't actually sat to me. Uh, um, but uh, once again, uh, it started off with a portrait that I did of her. Uh, um, it wasn't really a portrait. It was a, a young princess, e Elizabeth, in South Africa, riding horses on a beach. And uh, um, and that I had to imagine and put together myself as well. And that was presented to her when I met her um, uh, at the Epsom Derby. Okay, fantastic. And did she approve? Very important to have approval. Oh, she, approval. Oh, oh, yes. I mean, um, I was fortunate <laughs> I've had a little conversation with her uh, um, about it, and she asked me about it and um, and set me straight where I had made one or two mistakes because she 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 has an an unbelievable memory. No, absolutely. I mean, she, she has a reputation, certainly, for that. I was actually mistaken. I was, I'm looking at the image now of the kids on the path, and there are three kids chasing a dog down the path near Kuno, of course, when Nelson Mandela was born, which is your opening image of this, this great exhibition. How does a South African artist take the world by storm? I mean, what happens in your career that you go from the Johannesburg Technical College School of Art, um, you join an advertising agency, you go to London in the 60s, you study further... What elevates you from being a good artist to one that people really aspire to to own a bit of uh, from around the world? 
Well, I, I, I don't know. You know, you, you can't really plan plan these things. Um, it's it's all about one's own create creativity, and one hopes that what one is doing is putting yourself in a position where people actually want what you do. Um, it's 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 really it's a developmental process, and um, and I think that if one works too hard at trying to think only about the career, not about the actual work that you do, uh, um, that that wouldn't do it. It's, it's it really it really has has to be a commitment to the work, and and of course many many hours of work. At what point were you commercially successful? At what point did you think to yourself, "Thank goodness." Um, this is going to work for me. Um, I don't. I mean, nothing. Go, wonderful working in an advertising agency, but that I don't think that was your passion. Um, you may have dreaded the the having to go back to to a job. At what point did you know that art would pay the bills? Well, when when I decided that I was going to give up. Uh, what would be known as commercial art. I was an illustrator for a long time, and uh, and that taught me my craft. But what it didn't teach me was um, how to how to think my own craft, because that, that one usually works through uh, some kind of a brief when you uh, when you're doing illustration work. But um, I decided that I wanted to see if I could do it myself using my own mental skills and creativity to produce stuff. That uh, that I would enjoy primarily, and then from there, other people hopefully would come to the party. And I was very lucky to. to I do believe one has to have a lot of luck in life and uh, and in a career. And I was very lucky over my career. I've met several very very influential men. When I say influential, influential in in giving me the kind of advice uh, that I needed to to carve a career. And I was very lucky in the very beginning, and and I think that's what really launched me off at a, at a roaring successful rate. I was successful after my very first exhibition with Everard Reed, and uh, um, Everard Reed was a very very uh, a clever man, and he knew how to take me in uh, and and do the promotion, which he he did. Uh, and I mean, it's, it's those mentors, if you like, or those talent spotters in your case. He clearly saw something in you um, and thought, well, you're worth pushing. You're worth punting. This is a youngster with a future. Well, I, th- I think that, I think the big the, th- the thing is that where I was very lucky is that at the time, um, which was back in 1971, um, Everard Reed was suffering a little bit from uh, the gallery. He he was suffering a little bit from the criticism that he never gave young artists a chance and that he only dealt in the old masters and the the South African masters and um, where he was the kingpin in that uh, that, uh, area of art dealing. And uh, when 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 I thrust myself upon him and I was very pushy uh, and he had conversations with me, I think he thought that, I was made of the stuff that that, that 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 together we could build a big career, and 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 um, and I'm very grateful for that. Because it's not just about painting great pictures, is it? I mean, you know, lots of people can paint great pictures. Lots of people can paint pleasing pictures. Lots of people can paint provocative pictures. Very few people have got the, the I suppose, the way you're suggesting it, the sterner stuff it takes to build a career. What does it take to build a career as a global artist? 
I, I think I think you you have to primarily it, it takes a lot of lot of hours of hard work and in the studio you have to be absolutely focused and and make sure that you, you that you make your vision of the thing come through because that's what makes you unique and uh, um and I, as I say, you know, when you have the right people supporting you in this, uh, um, it's it's a lot easier. Everard Reed thrust me into uh, um, painting portraits at a very, very early age. And in no time at all, I was painting the, uh, the likes of uh, Harry Oppenheimer, uh, um, the, the, the Hersovs and people like that, and uh, um, who were the big businessmen in those days. And that, of course got me invited to all sorts of dinner parties and events. Uh, um, and I was the sort of young artist to parade around whenever they had their big deal events, which was quite quite amusing, actually, when I think back on it now. I mean, were you comfortable in that environment? I mean, yeah, they, they're sure they were perfectly charming and perfectly nice, but they um, were giants of the corporate world at that time. And the corporate world, I think, was far more dominated by to use the term big men back then than it is perhaps now yes but but i but i think what what makes that makes the difference is when when uh, i can't stress this enough that when one paints portrait portraits of people um in the sittings that you have um these people open up in a way that always surprised me. I think that uh, um, sitting for a portrait makes a person very, very aware of their own mortality. Uh, they want to be, and they realize that they, 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 they start off wanting to project what they think you want to see. And then in no, and, and then in no time at all, they, they can't keep up that facade. And in the silence of what goes on in the exchanges that happen, they, they, they sort of dig into themselves, I think, and, and start saying things uh, and telling me things that I'll never repeat because they were, oh. they were very, very... <laughs> no, of course uh, 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 you'd, you'd never get yeah. another sitting again if you did. Um, you know, John Mayer <laughs> is a prolific and successful South African artist. We know that he is a dab hand with a brush. We know that he can ha manage a palette of colours. But is he any good... At money, I wonder, um, one assumes that once he's made it, how does he manage it? More with John Mayer, South African artist, in a moment. The Money Show. Other people's money. Like brilliant surgeons, great actors, I think great artists have got extreme longevity and can possibly work for as long as they want to. John Mayer is a South African artist of a huge global renown. Uh, do you have a retirement plan, John, or do you intend painting in perpetuity for as long as you possibly can? Well, as, as, long, as, as long as I can sit upright and uh, um, open my eyes, I'll paint. Uh, um, I, I, I will do it until I drop dead. Frankly, it's uh, there, there's uh, it's. Somebody said to me once that uh, um, uh, you suffer, you will suffer from the tyranny of the talent, and uh, um, and that's that's actually what happens to an artist. You 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 get so engrossed in your in your artistic career and the work that you do that you keep on doing it. 
I was fortunate, as I say, I was fortunate, but um, learned very, very quickly from, from these clever people that I came in contact with, uh, uh, what to do with money. And um, since, the, you know, since then, uh, since those early days, building a portfolio, um, essentially putting in my ideas of what should go into that portfolio, property, uh, a balance uh, um, of what, what uh, um, stuff to buy. And, and also, it, it was a great help being in close contact with some of these giants of industry that, that, that helped me along the way. I mean, so many people get overwhelmed by the information that they receive, get overwhelmed by um, the the magnitude of the individuals and sometimes possibly let down by some of the individuals that they meet. Uh, but you've built a portfolio and you've managed that own portfolio. Do you have an art portfolio? Do you collect other people's art? No, uh, um, I, I wasn't, in fact, courageous enough to do that. And there's a, a lot of... Uh, um, I have, I have, a, 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 let's say, a lot, of, lots of regrets in that area. But what I, but what I made a point of doing, is that um, keeping a big collection of my own work. I felt if other people are prepared to invest in what I do, why shouldn't I? And so, and so I made a point of, of whenever I did something really exceptional, I thought I would put it aside, and uh, um, and with my wife, we we, we would. Certainly, in, in later years, uh, my wife would keep keep the best stuff back, uh, and, and that is, I mean, the ultimate, I suppose, fail safe retirement plan. If the investment portfolio goes goes for a loop, there are always enough rich people who want to collect artworks of a well known artist. Every year or two, you release a painting and live off the painting. Is it a is it a big collection? Is it stuff that has been seen in the public domain, or is is it uh, our work that is going to surprise us one day? Well. Uh, um, let's put it this way: the, the the people who outlast me will be able to make that decision. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, as far as far as I'm concerned, that 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 is that is where I think my my biggest wealth will come. Uh, uh, what do you do with your spare time? I mean, are you allowed spare time? Are you ever off duty? What do you do with the no, rewards of your work for fun? I work all the time. And that, and that doesn't necessarily mean I'm working in the studio. It means that wherever I go, mm. I'm alert to everything around me. I'm alert to possibilities, uh, um, things that may inspire me to do other things. Uh, um, like, like, for instance, uh, um, in, in more recent years, you, you mentioned the Queen series and you mentioned the Nelson Mandela series. But but there, there there are other series that I've done as well, and I'm currently working on the, probably the biggest series of my life, which uh, which uh, is about uh, the planet. It's called Save Our Planet series, and uh, um, and it's a series of paintings uh, from all over the world, places, and I'm, I'm painting places that are very very beautiful and showing what we could have if we don't mess it up. And uh, um, and uh, this the series is uh, um, getting ready now. I'm f I'm finishing it off, and um, and it's going to travel. And, uh, and when uh, when do you expect the first exhibition? And where does have you got those dates sorted out already? And and the venue sorted out? No, no, uh, there 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 all sorts of possibilities in the air, and I can't talk about that until things are concrete. Um, 
but you, you speak about travel. You know, the biggest investment I've ever made is is in travel, and um, because for, uh, I I've got to see some of the greatest artworks that, that have always impressed me. I've gone so far as going to a city like Rome to see one painting, <laughs> uh, um, seeking it out and having a look at it and spend half a day in front of the one painting just to see how it is made. And uh, um, and you learn a lot that way. Uh, it, reproductions won't give it to you. You've got to be in the presence of these things to understand their power and to understand the brilliance of the artist behind them. And looking carefully into the techniques and and the way they layered paint and uh, um, and the little tricks they used, uh, um, that's that's been invaluable to me. John Mayer, what a privilege to spend time with you. Thank you for taking time out of your studio. South African painter John Mayer, Other People's Money.